0: This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast. The Broncos get their first win, but... They are,
1: the uh, phrase of the day, decidedly mediocre.
0: The MLB postseason.
1: Will Houston remain dominant with having Verlander? And, you know, can Washington scare the Dodgers? Trouble
0: at CSU.
1: They haven't beaten a Division I school
0: since they beat New Mexico a year ago. Mark Schlereth. I was so much more gifted and stronger than everybody else because i'd always been on one end of a shovel digging post holes to build fences i mean i was doing that from the time i was you know six seven years old and julie calls drew a meathead
1: i do cardio in the morning and then i usually meet a buddy to lift
2: oh my god do you spot each other you Let- spot each other no, we do
1: like-
0: this is the drew goodman podcast
1: yes indeed we have a very packed show today mark Schlereth. Things you've never heard from Mark. Mark's everywhere. He's ubiquitous. That's our vocabulary word of the day. Mm -hmm. He is. Ubiquitous? Yeah, that means. He's everywhere. Very nice. Somebody went to class. (laughs) (laughs) Education. Why Why are you so surprised? I wasn't surprised at all. (laughs) I know how brilliant you are. Uh, But, anyhow, stuff you haven't heard from Stink, stuff about growing up in Alaska, really interesting stuff. And um, I'm looking forward to that, having you hear it. I already heard it. I'm looking forward to everybody else uh, hearing it. But most importantly, right now, what is this thing about me? I'm a meathead. (laughs) What?
2: All right. I just found out today that you are one of those people that works out two or three times a day. Two. Who? I was talking to my sister. I have another friend that works out two times a day. And she's like, well, that's because he's a meathead. <laughs> and I was like, what? like, so, yeah, he's a meathead. Who has time to so work out? So, basically,
1: your sister and I probably are not going to hit it off very well.
2: Not so much.
1: I'm not... First of all, I know where you're going, meathead. The you know the guy who's in the gym incessantly and and is you know walking out with his jug of protein powder to the mm-hmm. parking lot and wears the smediums, right? <laughs> right. Am I? Do I wear smediums? Now you It's a at, little tight. Is that a little? Oh, really? <laughs> do I look like somebody who walks out of the um? Out of, do, come on now.
2: No, I don't go to
1: Gold's gym. I like, I enjoy being fit. Mm-hmm. I get up in the morning. Nobody cares about this. I I do cardio in the morning and then I usually meet a buddy to lift.
2: Oh my God. Do you spot each other? You but, spot each other. No, we don't go.
1: I don't go heavy enough anymore that I really need a spot. I okay. don't because okay. it's not, I'm not a meathead. Okay. Meathead guys probably need a spot still. Uh, when I'm on the road, I do it. Six, I, I'll go, I'll, I'll run, and then I'll go in, in the hotel weight room and I'll lift, and then I'm done and I'm on with my day. I am mm-hmm. not a meathead. You know, one time when I used to
2: work with Scott Hastings, I said, Oh, I worked out twice today. And you know what he said to me? He's like, Well, that's because you have no life. I was like, why, why is that not like, I think it's a good thing to be perfectly honest. Like I, that congratulations for being a better person than you I am
1: backstroking away.
2: <laughs> well, now I feel bad for,
1: you should feel friggin' awful <laughs> calling me a meathead. We haven't, we're not even like three minutes into the show
2: now. So welcome to your off season. Um, yes. yes. So are you enjoying the off season and are you filling your time with watching the postseason in major league baseball?
1: Well here's the, the first difference. I, I kinda feel like we've mentioned this before, Hoda and Kathy Lee. You know I'm normally a beer drinker, but I'm sipping uh what do we have? A Pinot? Yeah, it's a good a little, one. Is it is it pretty good? Okay. Yeah. We got a little bit Claude Pin- Dubois. There you go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sounded very Parisian there. <laughs> um but I, I wouldn't be doing that if I was sitting in the booth. It was the you know, end the end of the season's always a long journey and you kinda you know, catch your breath. October is one of my favorite months because the weather here is spectacular. It's still great golf. It's probably the best time of year, my most favorite time of year to play golf. There's a lot of uh, wonderful things that you can do still in October before the snow flies, etc. cetera. Um, but uh, yeah, it's weird. It's like it, it just ends abruptly. And you wish the Rockies were still playing and all that. We know they're not. We know we've known for a while they weren't going to be. So what did I do my first week? Uh, I, I worked out like three times a day, Julie, um, <laughs> just to you know, keep. And that I gut. spotted you my know, friend. And I spotted my friend Ernie. <laughs> I was up in Boulder cause I I have a football game coming up this week. I'm I'm doing starting doing college football uh this coming weekend. But I was up in Boulder uh with my son Jacob and It was, it was Parents was, Weekend, it was right? Parents weekend up there. So okay. I just went to the CU Arizona game. We'll get into that maybe a little bit later on. Unfortunately, CU lost. I uh, had a good time with him, played beer pong with him and his uh roommates. Is he in a frat? He isn't a frat, but he's a senior and he lives about a block away from his fraternity and um Man, it was it was like I, I felt like it was old school. I felt like I was dropped into old school.
2: That's really fun. That's yeah. really fun. Uh, so, have you have you as a broadcaster that does 162 games, maybe a couple less than that? Um, are you enthralled with the playoffs, or are you just like, oh god,
1: more? No, I love I love it. I love it because so much is on the line. If you love baseball, you like you 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 enjoy the game so much. Now. Not that players ever go through the motion, but you know that every game, every at-bat, every pitch that thrown, th- there's a heightened amount of importance. And you want to see also how things play out, if they play out as not only I would predict or many people would predict, like, will Houston remain dominant with having Verlander and Cole and Greinke and, you know, can Washington scare the Dodgers and, and, and all of those things, and it it's really fascinating to watch it play out. But you're always reminded, Julie, as we say during the season, it's not, you know, Ohio State and football playing the Citadel, where the Citadel, God bless those guys, have no chance. It's Major League Baseball. They're all postseason teams. And even if you have a guy on the mound, we've seen Verlander ridiculously dominant. We've also seen him removed pretty early from a game already in the postseason. You don't know. And that makes it also you know very captivating
2: is there any kind of anything that sticks out from this postseason so far and it's tough because things change all the time by the time this podcast comes out my god you know dodgers could be out of it i mean we could be That would be a celebration but anything that you notice like i would have a party but um anything that you notice
1: well number one minnesota still can't beat the yankees it doesn't matter what cast of characters they have they can't beat the yankees in the postseason Mm -hmm. so that's that's number one that's a done deal as we uh chit chat tonight doing our podcast um the the dodgers and washington we knew that washington was a scary team Because they can roll out some starting pitching, even though Patrick Corbin, his first appearance was awful. Uh, First couple of appearances actually wasn't uh, very good. But, uh, you know, the Astros are getting all got all they want from Tampa Bay. It's great. Last year when I watched it, it was great. It was really good theater. And I just hope as a lover of baseball that enough people pay attention amidst all the NFL stuff and college football to to take a look and realize, you know what? This is still a great, great game that hasn't been messed with like the NFL has been, for instance. I mean, the NFL to players who played 25 years ago is not as recognizable at all as to uh you know what they're seeing today but in baseball uh, you know certain subtle things have changed but still the same game still the same game
2: speaking of the NFL so the Broncos finally get their first win Do you know the last time this team was 1 and 4
1: well i know they'd never been 0 and 5 fortunately right. they avoided that was there a
2: little party that wanted to see 0 and 5 just if you're going to be bad
1: be profoundly be bad be
2: profoundly bad
1: I wouldn't say I was rooting for that. I And it wasn't like they were – They you wouldn't confuse the Broncos 0-4 with Miami's 0-4, the Jets 0-4. Going into the weekend, they're bad. They're bad football teams. They're out of games. They have no shot. The Broncos lost on two last-second field goals. The narrative would be completely different had those field goals been missed. Had they, you know, gotten one more first down, what, whatever the case may be. And you're talking about two and two. I, I think they're decidedly mediocre. I I will hold to what you and I conversed about, Julie. What, uh, you know, three, four, five weeks ago. What do the Broncos look like? And we felt like they're six, seven. 8-win team, maybe, maybe if the planets align, they were a 9-win football team. I still think they fall somewhere in there. They are the uh, phrase of the day, decidedly mediocre.
2: Putting on my readers now to read the statistic. Uh, By the way, the last time they were 1-4 is Tim Tebow. That season oh, that was, he I'd came never in. That. They yeah, were yeah. one and four. They were one and four. Then he came in. I think it was against the Chargers at halftime. Then they won seven of their next eight.
1: And then he they beat Pittsburgh and then in they the postseason on that pass yeah. to Demarius.
2: Yeah, I don't. I was there. That does was that not unbelievable. Seem,
1: does that seem like four hundred friggin years ago? <laughs> that seems like a thousand years ago. Tim Tebow plays baseball now. I know. Yes. Kind of poorly. Is he a meathead? Because he's a big, strong guy. <laughs> I think he works out twice a day. Is he a meathead?
2: We're. You're saying a meathead's a bad thing.
1: Oh, it didn't sound flattering coming from your sister. What's her name again? Wendy. I'm going to call her Susie when I meet her. <laughs> Susie, it's a pleasure to meet you. She can kick my ass. She though. can. I know she can kick. She's a firefighter, yeah. right? And yeah. she's been a firefighter for a long time. Yeah,
2: yeah. I wouldn't. I she wouldn't mess with. She can kick my with... ass.
1: She's like a, one of those 11th degree black belts in some discipline yeah. I can't pronounce. Right.
2: Since 1978, 192 teams started the season one and four. Guess which percentage made the playoffs.
1: 192 in how long?
2: Since 1978.
1: Started one and four. And what, per, I what have to, percentage
2: made the playoffs? And
1: I have to get within like 5%. Mm-hmm. I will say.
2: No, I have to get between
1: 3%. I will say 7%. Pretty made,
2: good. 5.7%.
1: I was within 1.3%. <laughs> I went inside the window.
2: So that kind of means I don't. That kind of means they ain't <laughs> that going. Means it's not going to happen. There's a
1: 94 plus percent chance they ain't going.
2: I got to tell you, though, they're the best one in four team that I've seen in a while.
1: Wonderful. Put that on your resume.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. But there is something slightly encouraging. Like it doesn't feel like it has the last couple of years where you thought this is kind of a no hoper, even though they're worse. Record-wise, than they were the last couple of years, it does feel like a better team. I mean, let's look at like um, the offensive line. Except for the first one or two games, it's not been a... Dalton Reisner is looking like a yeah, Dal- total stud, right? right? Dalton
1: Reisner's looking, looking like he... That was a hell of a pick.
2: Juwan James may come back this week against Tennessee. Needs so to. So we, we may get to see him. Um, Phillip Lindsey...
1: Philip Lindsay, he always plays with energy. So, what I'm about to say, Julie, kind of sounds silly. Uh, he set the tone for that game, the first two t- touches of the game. I mean, he was playing at a different speed uh, than everybody else. The Broncos lack uh, a dynamic feel to or, or look to them offensively and defensively, where you thought you know they they may be able to wreak havoc. I know they finally came up with turnovers. Justin Simmons got a pick to to start that. Uh, on Sunday. They're not dynamic defensively. Their best player, you know, you could say Bradley Chubb or Von Miller. Bradley Chubb, we know, is out for the season. Von Miller has two sacks. It's five football games, Julie. And he's barely contacted the quarterback. Chris Harris had a good ball game this week against Allen, held him to four receptions. But it, to me, they're caught in between. They're not real sexy on either side of the ball. They're kind of mediocre
2: So you're calling them meatheads cuz they're kind well, of Well, no, I
1: don't go there. That's your term. Okay. But they're they're just they're
2: they're okay. You know what's really interesting? Remember the start of the year when Vic Fangio was hired how he described Von Miller? He remember those comments that he's a good player but he he's got work to do and mm-hmm. everybody was aghast that you could say that about Von.
1: you repeated it this week.
2: Mhm. Yeah. I feel like his eye his eyes on Von. I'm going to go a little squirrel on you. About Devonte Bosby, the injury that he had, and yeah. he ended up being scary. okay. Very scary. As a broadcaster, was it? It was. It was Juan Nacasio. Juan
1: Nacasio, you have a great memory. Got hit. You know, got hit in the head. Right. And um, so,
2: as a broadcaster, as you're doing that, what is going through your mind when you know it's bad?
1: Yeah, I, I think what goes through your mind is what goes through everybody's mind at home. You're, you're just hoping beyond hope that that person's okay. Uh, I. I hope I handle these situations, which come up um, occasionally um, in in the right way. And occasionally, that is, maybe once in a lifetime. Yeah, though. but there have been enough where it's pretty a scary injury. Maybe not. You maybe you're not concerned about life threatening, but mm-hmm. pretty horrific kind of injury, and, and clearly, you know, it's affecting the players out there. You know, they're waving their arms. You know, you have guys covering their eyes, almost that sort of thing. Lay out. Less is more. You know, we hope he's okay. No shit. You hope he's okay. Right? I know. I know. Um, I know. The, the, the trainers and the medical people are attending to him. I, it's a visual medium. <laughs> I work in television other than when I do this podcast, right? We can see that. So it, it's just less is more. So often I think in broadcasting to answer your question, uh, less is more. I remember a game I was doing as UCLA. At the University of Houston many moons ago in football, and Freddie Mitchell, I want to think it was like the third, Freddie who who he ended up being a first round pick, Julie. He returns a kick for UCLA about 80 yards, and he gets tackled from behind. And you could see the guy the I, I want I, I, it's a long time ago. He may have been horse collared from behind, and the way he went down, you could just see it. I mean, horrendous it broke his femur. And you could you could tell right away. That's probably what occurred. I mean, I, I had to turn my head away. He was on the field. They bring the ambulance. They didn't even, I'm not, there's no golf cart coming out. They brought an ambulance mm-hmm. out onto the field. He was down, Jules, for like 20 minutes. I mean, that's how long, you know, you can only go to so many co- commercial breaks. Right. And I don't, I don't, even for the life of me, remember what we talked about other than hopefully doing what I articulated a few minutes ago. Um, scary, scary deal. He ends up coming back, and I want to say he ended up being a first-round pick of Philadelphia a couple of years later, two or three years later, whatever it was. But um, yeah, th- those those deals, and and the kid described himself, Bosby, as, yeah, I couldn't, I, I had no feeling for a half hour, and he said, I, yeah, you know, I wasn't that scared. We, I mean, if you have no feeling in your extremities, for that period of time and you're not scared to death
2: sounds like we were more scared than he was yeah you know watching that game so anyway i just i was curious because i i as i'm sitting here talking to you i'm thinking okay that was a big part of the game and but you've had you know one of those calls so yeah i mean i it's interesting after one game you know you you hear people that oh they this team can not that they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but like, okay, they can, you know, get right back on track. I, I'm curious. I'm I'm curious what they do against Tennessee. Another one of those teams. I think Tennessee's like two and three. Um, Marcus Mariota does not strike fear in my heart. This should be a winnable game for Denver. Then again, Denver's one and four.
1: I thought they would lose in San Diego, which is a really a de facto home game, right? Yeah. Um, they did. They won, right? I figured they would beat Tennessee. I thought that was going to be their first win as this thing unfolded. I'm not saying five weeks ago. I thought this. I, I thought they'd have a win by now. But um, I, I think they get their second win against Tennessee. Tennessee is just like the Broncos. You know, the, they struggle on offense. They've been pretty good on defense, though. Uh, the Broncos at home win this football game.
2: Speaking of football, you had a chance to do a very nice interview. We're going to make it a two parter with Mark Schlereth. Was he? Your, is he your neighbor?
1: He used to be my neighbor. I told, remember I told the, the, the uh, shovel in my driveway that right. we got to get into that. I don't remember if that'll be in part one or part two. Okay. Um, but we do talk about Mark and his ability to shovel snow. He ought to be frigging good at shoveling <laughs> snow. You want to know why he grew up in Anchorage? He's an Alaska boy. That's He's right. He's an Alaska boy. What do you do in Alaska?
2: You shovel snow
1: and You shovel snow boots? and you go snowmobiling. Mm-hmm. You go ice fishing. That's what you do.
2: We're going to talk to Mark Schlereth. You'll talk to Mark Schlereth next on the Drew Goodman Podcast.
1: Hey, before we uh, go to the sit down with Stink, we talk about Ideal Home Loans. They've been uh, great to me through the years, and they can be great for you as well. If you are looking at refinancing... You can't do better than the rates are right now. Money is really cheap right now. And if you're not sure, give them a call at 303-867-7000. It's 303-867-7000. They'll go over everything you want. Uh, if you have any questions, obviously, they'll answer them. They're salary-based, which is really important. They're not going to make you feel bad. They're not going to give you the power sale where you feel like, oh, my goodness, I, I need to go take a shower. So like, we've all been in that situation, right? So that's not going to happen. They're going to give you the best information. And if you decide to go with them, you are going to be thrilled You did. So if you're looking to consolidate debt, if you're looking at a new home, if you're looking at uh, refinancing, now is the absolute best time to give Brent Ivinson and his team a call at Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. All right. They also feature our interview each week, and I had an opportunity to sit down with an old friend, an old neighbor, Mark Schlereth. I want to take you back for a second. Anchorage, Alaska. What do we do for fun up in Anchorage,
0: Alaska? Uh, it depends on what time of year it is. I mean, in the wintertime, you know, it's it was always interesting because we would we'd go to school and it'd be pitch black out. You know, you walk into the bus stop. And then you get into school and, you know, the light comes up and they're sunny. And we get home and the bus stop or the bus would drop us off at like 3. And we would race home and like, like a sprint down the road to your house because you got about... 25 minutes of daylight to play outside and so my dad ended up putting this big light in our driveway so we would play we would literally play in the snow tackle football games in my front yard and uh, we had the light well one place that had a light in the in the neighborhood you know so we had this whole thing was lit up and I mean we would play out there for hours in the snow and when I was by myself you know I was such a football fan that I would I would sit out there and I would have punting contests with myself, you know, and I'd see how close I could put it in the snowbank and like coffin corner kicks. And um, and the summer times are the summer times are outrageous because it's the exact opposite. It's light twenty four seven, and so you're playing. I mean, I I'll, I'll never forget you. You go to like as a kid or as a like a teenager or even going to college. We would get done. We would like run to a movie, a seven thirty movie, get out at nine thirty. And it's still just bright sunshine. And then we would go down to the grade school that I played at, and they had nine and a half foot hoops at the grade school, you know, that I went to. And we would play dunk hoops till two o'clock in the morning. Like and it would be we'd have like teams, like we'd roll through teams and it was full court dunk hoops. Um it was a w it was just an absolutely wonderful place to grow up. Did you
1: realize when in high school I know you were you were state champ, right in wrestling? Mm-hmm. And did you realize? Okay, you may be a big fish, but this pond is—it's it, not a small pond. It's so far removed from everything else in the country. Even though you're watching games and stuff, say, "Hey, I want to play there." There's Oklahoma playing. There's Alabama playing. Did you realize I'm good enough to compete? What What was your thought process?
0: You know, I was—I was, uh, I was a, a realist, and. Um, we play six games a season. That was our season. So I knew that everybody else that was playing, you know, as we called it, the lower 48 or the contiguous, you know, United States. I realized they're all playing 12, 13 games in the playoffs and stuff. So my experience was different than everybody else's experience. And so, you know, I got asked by a bunch of colleges back then. It was the Pac-10 and, you know, Washington and Oregon and Oregon State and all those schools, asked me to walk on as kind of a quote-unquote preferred walk-on. I had two scholarship offers. Um, There were two teams that came up to do a football camp when I was in high school. Uh, One was um, Hawaii and one was Idaho. And so those are the two recruiting trips that I ended up taking because um, I'm a kid from Alaska and, you know, I played linebacker and and offensive line. I was, you know, 6'3", two fifteen, two twenty, whatever I was, but you know, I was a legit four five something forty guy and could, you know, had a thirty eight inch vertical jump. I mean I could dunk since I was a freshman in high school and so I was it's the nine and a half hoop games. Right. Yeah the well I get on the real hoops I could tell <laughs> you. But but it was you know I was always a very gifted athlete. So those two schools saw me actually compete and run and do all those things and they're like, whoa. So they both flew me out there. And here's me though, Drew, like this is the realist in me. I'm like, okay, I've got two scholarship offers, one to Hawaii and one to Idaho. And when I took my recruiting trip to Idaho or excuse me to Hawaii, you know, it was then it was the whack and I'm watching the athletes and the guys that are competing there and I I legitimately didn't know if I was good enough to play there. I was like, man, I you know, I don't want to go to a school and sit around for 3 years and not play. And when I took my recruiting trip to Hawaii, I looked at, or excuse me, to Idaho, I looked at the athletes and I thought, okay, I can come here and play. I'm pretty sure that I can play here. And the other thing, the other part of the decision, so that was one major part of the decision. At 18, I'm making this decision on my own because I had no help. My parents were just like, whatever, we don't know anything about football, right? So that, and then I thought to myself, Hawaii's a great place to vacation and visit. I don't have, I don't want to live there. You know, I was like, I need some snow and I need some rain and I need some crappy weather. And I was just like, I just don't think I can wake up to sunshine every day of my life. Cause I grew up in Alaska. And so those were the two major factors that I had. I, I came to the realization that I think Idaho is a better place for me. And that's why I chose it. When did you become a non-athlete? <laughs> no,
1: when you went, I'm kidding you. obviously. Yeah. When you went there, do you think, Hey, tight end linebacker? When did they throw you in a three point?
0: Right. Well, so I came, I got recruited as a, a, a center. And I redshirted my first year, and then we're doing the off-season conditioning program, the mat drills and all these things, and um, I'm just off the charts you know, with ability to run and do all those things. So then they moved me to defense, and I played defense for three years. I played D-end, I played nose guard, I played linebacker. I mean, I played a lot of different positions, um, and I just kept getting injured, one after the other after the other, to the point where I was actually retired as a junior in college. So I was out of football, I was completely depressed. Um I essentially badgered my way back onto the into the football program and moved from defense to offense, moved back to offensive line and um was able to stay healthy my last year of of you know college football and um and play really well obviously. And and so it was interesting like I had no agent, I didn't have Anybody looking at me, I'd only played really one year of college football, essentially, because I was I bounced around on defense a bunch, and I had a bunch of injuries and those things and, you know, torn ACLs and cartilage and dislocated elbow and Tommy John surgery on my elbow and, you know, the whole thing. So um, what ended up happening was I had a teammate by the name of Marvin Washington, and um, Marvin called me one day and said, hey, man, I'm, I've got the Bengals or whoever is working me out tomorrow morning. Why don't you show up to my workout? And so I would show up to Marvin's workouts. He called me probably 15, 20 times. I'd show up to his workouts. And I actually, you know, I mean, God bless Marvin because like Marvin's six six, two seventy, 270, chiseled from Granite, had 14 sacks his senior year. And, you know, I would outbench him, outrun him, out everything, you know, in in these workouts. But he kept inviting me to his workouts. And um the Redskins actually wanted to draft me as a tight end because I could still, run, I was 280 and I ran four seven and. Like I could still run and jump and do all those things, but um, but they ended up sending their old line coach out, and and he wanted me as a you know as an offensive lineman, and so it, it ended up working out really well that way. So you mentioned surgeries early, and by the way, because I've known you a long time, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize like
1: you shut down football at one point. I knew you. I yeah,
0: I was completely, I was completely out of out of the game. I mean, completely out of the game. They just said no. I mean, I actually signed paperwork to limit, um to limit their liability towards me as an injury risk just to get to back, come to back uh, or get to come back and play on my senior year. Yeah. Wow. 29 surgeries.
1: I've always wondered, cause, um, you're 29. I'm like, well, why not just have a 30th? I mean,
0: just, you know, get right. your, to- go get your tonsils out or right. something. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What would, it, what would it be
1: if you had to pick a 30th surgery, What would it be now?
0: Right. Well, right now, it's going to be a knee replacement, <laughs> and it is it is around the corner. So that's just, already yeah, signed up for. Yeah, that's, I'm just holding off on that. So the 30th will be the knee replacement. I once had Rick Riley. Like, Rick Riley, I was doing when I was still playing at the time, and I was just done playing. I just had my 29th surgery. Rick Riley I had met Rick Riley for the first time. He's like, man, I was, I want to write an article, but this is like, I want to do something. And he was doing the Sports Illustrated thing at the time. He's like, I'd really like to do this, you know, for sport. Oh, yeah, you know, give him my number and everything. Never heard back from him. And then I see him. You know, I see him probably four or five years later And he's like, oh man, I never got around to that I wanted to get around to it, but you know, this is what happened And if it, you know, I was just waiting That 30, if it was 30 surgeries You know, that would have been a nice round number I go, yeah, because 29 is just not enough, Rick To make it, you know, sports your Sports Illustrated quit." So it was always been a joke between Rick Riley and I Because he was like, if it was just 30 You know, I was like, yeah, that, that 29 thing That's just, I mean, that's child's play Exactly, what are the toughest two rehab from? What was the toughest one? Um well I had like six microfracture surgeries so when on on my knee so those are to me the hardest ones um because the frustration level so a microfracture is essentially I don't have any of the meniscus cartilage you know the the cushioning in my knee anymore it's all been ripped out and so over the covering of your bone you have a what they call articular cartilage and it would be akin to you know, Formica covering over the over your countertop, right? That's what it is. And so I would damage that articular surface. And so it would just expose raw bone because I didn't have anything cushioning it anymore. So it's just bone-on-bone bone joint. And um, when you rip that off, it is exceptionally painful because every time you touch that raw bone, you're, you basically, your leg will just shut off. It, like, just quits working. Um, and it is like somebody shoving an ice pick into your knee. And so what they do for that surgery is they go in and they drill holes in it. Sometimes they'll just use like a hammer and chisel and, and puncture holes in it to get that bone to really bleed. And then it will create a scab and it will scar tissue over. And that scar tissue becomes a yeah, a level of of articular surface. But that scar tissue is very soft compared to the regular, you know, the, the articular cartilage. And it takes forever for that to kind of scar and get really hard And so as you're rehabbing it, you know, they clear you to play after like a five or six month period, but that thing continues to harden over 18 months. And so if you hit it or you kind of get on it a little bit, your knee will swell up and it'll be sore for a couple of days. So it's always this rehab of one step forward. Oh, I felt pretty good today. You push it a little bit and it's three steps back. You know, you set yourself back three or four days. It's a really hard rehab to come out of and, and then you, you know you just require you play in the NFL you're just required to go hey it's time to play you got to play have you always
1: loved baseball because you'll text me during the season I know you love the Rockies obviously you know Daniel became a tremendous player I remember catching him in the backyard because you and I were neighbors and and he was 12 and I was like I, I could remember back to 12 and I was like this kid throws pretty hard for 12 uh was that what uh, kind of ignited your passion or did you have it growing up in Anchorage
0: no it was it was being a father. Um, Like, I never had any affinity for baseball, and then, um, you know, when when my kids were little, like, my dad didn't ever come to – he never came to anything when I was a kid. Like, that wasn't his deal, so he never came to any games or did any of that stuff or take me to practice, or he was never involved in that until I – was essentially done leaving high school and then he realized, man, I've I've completely missed out. He came to my last year of high school football and and wrestling. Like I was in a state tournament and he was in a he was at he worked for State Farm. He's got a state farm agency. Still goes to work every day. He's eighty years old. Fifty four years he's he's had this agency. And so they had a convention in Hawaii. And my dad flew from Hawaii at the convention. He left the convention, flew back to Alaska to watch me wrestle in the state championships one night, and then got back on a plane and flew back to Hawaii. So at that point, he realized, man, I missed this as a kid when you were young, and I don't want to miss any of this anymore. He came on my college games and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, I was just like, don't repeat the mistakes of your parents. Like, none of us are perfect, and we all have regrets in life. And I was like, I'm not going to ever be that guy. And I love my parents. and My my dad is one of the most honorable people I've ever met and, I, and awesome. But I was like, I'm not going to miss out on that. And so my son turned four, and, you know, we always played catch. And, and he was – you could always tell he was an exceptional little athlete. And um, I decided to coach uh, T-ball. And so we got him in a year early. You're supposed to be five – by the time he started, well, he was still four, but he was going to turn five during the season. And I knew at that point, like, he was skilled because we always played together, but I didn't realize nobody else was. And so we showed up to t-ball practice, and I signed up to coach him. And, like, nobody could throw, nobody could catch, nobody could do anything. And I could stand there, you know, from 25 feet away or whatever and throw it as hard as I could to him. He could catch it and throw it back to me, and he just peppered. So everybody was scared to death of him. So when we warmed up and did things, I was I had to warm up with Daniel at four years old because nobody else could even come close to, you know, to to functioning on that. So um it, it became a thrill for me. Like I was I get to go coach little league and I coached him all the way up through high school um or until he got into high school and then I just kinda stepped back and said, I just have to be, you know, the parent that cheers, not the guy who's yelling at his son.
1: I do remember if uh if I'm writing this, you said, "Hey, will you catch me?" Because you couldn't, you couldn't get down a squat. So I remember in the backyard and I was like yeah this, this kid's pretty impressive the other story and we've told this a lot I told this recently I don't know your name came up uh, during the podcast and I said one day because I was still doing the Nuggets back then and you told uh, Christy and I, I said hey if you're ever getting back you know super late just uh, call you know you told Chris to call, call and have Daniel come down and shovel the driveway right. and so it was like I got in like 4.30 in the morning the Nuggets were on the West Coast and I hear scraping on the driveway well it was during the season and it was a Sunday morning and I look out the window and I'm like I ain't going out there because you were out there with Daniel, <laughs> and then I went to the game later, and you were in the locker room, yeah, and you guys won. Yeah. I said, "What the hell were you doing shoveling my driveway yeah. early in the morning?" First of all, I thought you were at the hotel. Well, right. who knows what? But uh, you said, "I got to teach that kid a work ethic."
0: Right? Yeah, but, yeah. Well, it was always one of those things where you, as a parent, you know, uh, my dad told me when I was a kid, "Don't ever pay anybody to do something you can do yourself." And so I've always adhered to that. You know, I've always taken care of my own yard. And I actually, I, you know, I find great pleasure in physical labor. Um, I love to start a project and then at the end of the day, look back at all that you've accomplished. Uh, I still shovel everybody in our neighborhood. Nobody shovels their driveways. Like they, they just know they're going to hang out in their house because they know, you know, five o'clock in the morning, I'll be out there. I'll be getting it done. And so we have a little cold sex still to this day in the same neighborhood um, and, Every person in that cul-de-sac gets their driveway shoveled by yours truly. So, they, I don't know that any of my neighbors have shoveled uh, since uh, since they've moved in, but um, it's always been kind of one of the things. That growing up in Alaska, I used to have, that was one of my jobs. You You're know? good at shoveling. There's some yeah. snow there. There's a lot of places to practice. Right. you were in good place. I will, I will tell you this: that, like, I worked from the time I was a little kid. You know, my dad always had me working. We had horses. We were building barns. You know, I'd be. 300-pound railroad tie, I'd be on nine years old on one side of my dad, be on the other side, we'd be carrying it around, you know. And it was funny because I never thought anything of it. My dad always told me that, told me at the time, like, this is going to make you this is great for football. Like, lift these logs up, you know, get squat down, use your legs, and this, that, and the other. And so he was always telling me, you know, that, hey, this is going to make you a great player one day. This is going to help you, your career. The crazy thing is when I started playing athletics or start competing in, in like, Pop Warner football and all that at twelve, thirteen years old. Um, he was one hundred percent right. I was so much more gifted and stronger than everybody else because everything tied together. Because I'd always been on one end of a shovel digging post holes to build fences. You know that a wheelbarrow. You know you, you wheelbarrow and it's full of dirt and I, you know, rolling topsoil. We're putting in a lawn. I mean, I was doing that from the time I was, you know, six, seven years old until I, you know, until I got, got went to college. But it was my body was so tied together from doing all that work that I was just stronger and more gifted than everybody else at that time.
2: That Mark earth interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. Again, that's part one. We'll have part two next week. Interesting his reasons for going to Idaho instead of Hawaii. I mean, automatically you say that out loud. If you don't know the reasons and you go, wait, 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 you picked Idaho over Hawaii?
1: And you grew up in Alaska,
2: right? Right. You right. need some sunshine, dude. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> Get that he- that pale
1: body, some sun.
2: He must take a good amount of flack, even though it all worked out for him, right?
1: Yeah. Well, he was a tenth round pick out of out of Idaho, mm-hmm. and as I kidded him, there aren't even ten rounds in the NFL draft anymore.
2: Mm. I thought it so. Was, he was almost Mr. Irrelevant.
1: He was almost Mr. Irrelevant. Um, I I found it fascinating that he actually had to give up football at Idaho for a while and signed a waiver because of all of his injuries that they wouldn't be responsible if he got hurt again. That was the only way he got back on the football team. He he was done with football at Idaho, and he moves to the offensive line as a senior, and he ends up getting drafted. And ends up having you know a spectacular career. You know, three Super Bowl rings, he had Pro Bowls, the whole nine yards. But why? Hawaii, Hawaii? He didn't think he <laughs> was worried that he'd be able to compete at that level. Yeah, but it's Hawaii. Have you been there? I've been to Hawaii. <laughs> it's pretty. It's nice.
2: God, it's lovely. He also, um, I'm a, I listen to those guys in the morning on the fan, um, and it is nice to hear. I mean, it is nice to hear. His ascension in the broadcast world, too, right? Like, and he'll let us know about it, too. But he's getting some nice exposure, and that's kind of cool. You kind of feel like he's a Colorado kid, even though he identifies a lot with Washington. and Oh, but,
1: he's adopted Colorado. Yeah, I'm proud of Mark. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark's a great person. He, he learned a great work ethic uh, from his dad, he heard it in there growing up, and you know doing stuff on their property and wheelbarrows and, you know, physical labor. Just
2: like how you grew up. Yeah.
1: Right. And it, it's carried forward. Not only it carried forward to his toughness and his work ethic and his NFL career, but it's not just broadcast. I mean, he's pushing chili. He's pushing, <laughs> uh, you know, he was Rock Hoover and guiding light. I mean, it's not like, is there more than 24 hours in Schler's day?
2: Have you ever been offered any kind of like bit acting or sometimes? No, but I should. Or- I
1: mean, I'm, I am <laughs> one, one of the many things I'm shocked about in my career is that I, no soap operas have called me. It does not find it. Are you not? surprised that mm-hmm. that has not occurred for me
2: no i i'm i'm
1: what kind of role would i be a good guy or a bad guy uh, right uh, now
2: you might be a bad guy but oh, you'd really <laughs> god that's a great question um you'd probably be like a business executive that's you,
1: what you got me on the like if i'm on a soap opera what am i i'm a business executive <laughs> Stake was a detective
2: i don't know i mean this soap operas are like the leading man and the leading woman and then a couple other people
1: and so I'm one of the couple other people you've established <laughs> I'm that. one
2: of the other couple other peoples.
1: How do you know? You're not like the, you know, I'm not like, the
2: leading part. No. Yeah.
1: You know, you know, Have you ever
2: watched a soap opera? It's
1: been a long time. General Isn't hospital. Isn't that what you're though, doing like, now? There were so many people in college that when I was, when I was going to school in the forties that would, <laughs> um, they, they would build their schedule. I'm not, I'm not VS in here. They'd build their schedules. Mostly women uh-huh. build their schedule around GH general hospital. It
2: was a big deal
1: it's a big deal.
2: I don't I don't even know if they're around. I guess they're around anymore. Hey, speaking of college, I'm going to let's I want to talk about what's going on. Uh, I know you're a big CSU fan. I'm a big fan of all the
1: schools in state, but CSU, so you know, I I it's where I kind of cut my teeth in the mm-hmm. late 80s doing play-by-play, so I always have pulled hard for the Rams.
2: They're in a bit of trouble and Mike Bobo's in a bit of trouble. Did you know that there's a website called bobohastogo.com?
1: Um I I it, I didn't know that. Nothing surprises me, especially. Listen, they haven't won. I, I really like Mike mm-hmm. personally so a lot, I. and I think he is a really gifted offensive mind. I also could see where he would be really good in the home recruiting because yep. he's a genuine guy. He's a believable guy. Julie, I don't get it. Last year, you kind of give him a pass because he was ill. He wasn't – you know, he had to spend most of uh, camp in the hospital down in Denver um, with – you know the mal- 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 malady. I can't even describe what it is, but you know it affected his his foot and and so on. And, and he's still dealing with it, but not nearly to the level that he was. But Julie, I don't get it. They they open up. You've been up to to Canvas Stadium. I
2: love that new stadium. It's
1: gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not SEC big, but it's perfect for CSU. Love the location. There, there can't be. A, a group of five school in the country that has better facilities now for football than Colorado State. Not just the stadium, but inside where most fans don't get to go. Yeah. Their football facility is phenomenal. They have everything it takes. They're an hour north of Denver. Fort Collins, as we know, is a beautiful place. Colorado State's a tremendous school. The, do you, as of this taping, mm-hmm. they haven't beaten a Division One school since they beat New Mexico a year ago. That, I mean, that's unfathomable, and and what do you do? Because if you buy him out, then you're starting from scratch again, and you have to pay him a lot of money. If you if you wait till January, you screw your recruiting class, but you save yourself a couple million dollars. So right
2: now, if they let him go, it's five point five million. If it's January, it's three million.
1: Right, but then you can't. But you can't do that. it. Was that was creatively done by his representation because you if you get rid of a coach you can't do it in January because all of the coaches you probably want have a job now and how do you go recruit Uh, on January 2nd you call up all the all the verbal commits and you say oh by the way we've made a coaching change and 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 the entire staff is gone save two position coaches which is normally how it works Mm -hmm. you can't do that and I'm listen there's a lot of football left but they don't they, don't beat, they haven't beaten CU, they don't beat Wyoming, they don't beat Air Force, and they've lost every other game of, of meaning over the last few years, and it's it's disheartening.
2: Yeah, I've never. I never went to call for somebody's job. So. No, I'm, and, I, right. and, I, and I, I
1: hope somehow, miraculously, it turns around and they get on a roll. Um, you, part of football, part of any sport, Julie, is depth. So people will say, well, Colin Hill went down again, and Colin Hill... You know, if he were able to stay healthy for a long period of time, a lot of people think he has NFL ability, a quarterback, and he blew out his ACL. Poor kid for it's the like third an time.
2: Open competition of quarterback now, right? Right. right. Yeah, I, I know not the good.
1: Nebraska transfer O'Brien mm-hmm. you know, was okay. Uh, you you got to have you got to have guys that step up. We know we know that, and they, they 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 there's they're one in five as we are chit-chatting away here for our podcast. Julie, are you kidding me? With those facilities with supposedly how they've recruited, it doesn't make sense. No,
2: and I, yeah, I, I guess nothing surprises me in sports, and I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if uh, we got news on that this year. Okay, so quick thought on CU. I know you were up at uh, CU Arizona this weekend for Parents Weekend while you were playing beer pong and, mm-hmm. you know, sharing your kids at a party. I was drinking beer. I
1: let the kids drink the beer because it's their, hey, it's their experience.
2: So all the dads were sitting around.
1: There was a couple of dads, and, you know, we're all flashing back to our glory days of playing beer pong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love college.
2: Okay, so give me a thought on the CU, uh, the CU program as we move forward and they play Eugene coming up Friday night in Eugene.
1: They are twenty two point underdog. They play Eugene in Eugene or they play Oregon. Oregon and Eugene? Eugene. Yeah, okay. Have I've, another sip of that Pinot Grigio. Claude Bois. Oh, oh no, Pinot Noir. Um I I really like Mel Tucker. I think they play really hard. I don't think they have great depth. Speaking of depth, like CSU. Uh, that was a winnable game against Arizona. Would have been another good win. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't finish defensively. I mean, they, Khalil Tate threw for over 400 yards. They they just have. To, here here's the deal. My my old partner Dave Lapham and, and when I was doing the Big 12 uh, game of the week or whatever the heck it was called, he was my partner for a number of years. Played with the Bengals for a long time. Still does Bengals on radio. Dave Lapham had a great line. It's one of my favorite lines. If their X's are, you can X and O all you want. That was his line. You can X and O all you want, right? Mm-hmm. But if their X's are bigger, stronger, faster than your O's, <laughs> you ain't going to friggin' win. And th- And that's mm-hmm. the truth. So what it comes down to is how you recruit. And I think he's going to really be able to recruit. I really think he's going to be able to recruit. We know they're a tougher football team. Mm-hmm. I know some, you know, from... You know, people that I know up there say it's, and this is not to take a backhanded shot at Coach McIntyre. He did some good things up there, but they're a tougher football team. They're a better-conditioned football team, um, and, and that has everything to do right now with Mel Tucker. And then it comes down to you got your exes have to be bigger, stronger, faster than uh, than the other guy's O's.
2: I like that saying. Okay, so we're gonna end the podcast. We usually have a planned game. This one, we're going to be a little uh, fly by the seat of our pants. It's called Let's Ask Each Other Questions.
1: <laughs> okay, this is off the cuff. Go ahead.
2: Okay, I actually saw this news story that the average the average um, allowance that parents give their kids these days is $30 a week. That's a lot of money. What did you get as an allowance? I got a I think I got a dollar.
1: I don't even remember.
2: I mean it was you were in 1940 and I was 1950.
1: I I was the self-deprecating jokes.
2: <laughs> but I can't no. I can't file on. Absolutely not. Does that seem like a lot or do I just seem You've like I'm me out a of touch?
1: today by the way. Um $30 <laughs>
2: A week just I, for spending money.
1: I wish that's what we were.
2: What do you give your kid who's in high school?
1: Um You can't backtrack now. More than that. But it includes food and we try to tell oh, okay. them, listen, you know, you don't have to learn to budget. So he's, t- I keep telling my kids they're on like, per- you know, perpetual scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't wait till the uh, dead end. Yeah. That'll be a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. they do. They're, they're doing a little better than that. So yeah, I understand. I understand that. And are I'm they over a
2: char- hundred? If they are, I want to be your child.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so it's my turn. Yeah, you see how I passed on that. Yeah. Um, would you? Yes. <laughs> no. Go. Which? And I don't know this about you. Would you jump off a forty-foot cliff uh-huh. into water, not just jump off the cliff? Okay. Jump off forty-foot cliff, or run three blocks down Lincoln naked. Uh, naked.
2: Um, I'm going to jump off the cliff. There was a time where I would say, yeah. I thought you
1: were going to say I already did that. Okay,
2: yeah, yeah. I no, up. I, um, yeah, I mean, if it was two in the morning, that's Still
1: possible. Lincoln, there may be some folks out.
2: No, I would do the cliff. What would you do?
1: I hate heights. 40 feet. Have you ever been on a cliff 40 feet high? Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'll get arrested. I'm running down the street <laughs> naked. I'm streaking. I'm you streaking. Are? I'm not jumping off that cliff. Yeah, okay. I don't like heights. Oh, you don't?
2: You're scared no, of heights? I'm
1: not big on heights. I mean, you know, I'm not big on heights.
2: What's your greatest fear in life?
1: Well, other than ob- obvious ones. What's the obvious one? Well, it, it, the health of your family, all oh, that okay. kind of stuff. The, uh, but like I'm ta- every- no, I'm talking about like spiders or I snakes. Know. Snakes. Okay. I do not like snakes. Here was one I was going to ask you. Hmm. Would If you had to hold a snake, big snake, not a poisonous snake, because that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But you, you had to hold like a a 12-foot python.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? The handler is in the room, okay? But you have to put, like you've seen the pictures, the python over your shoulders is heavy. That uh, big a snake, right? Um, that or, see, so I'm making this up on the fly. You have to spend an hour cleaning up. Um, I'm going straight zoo on you. Elephant dung, uh, at the Denver zoo.
2: Elephant poop. A hundred percent. Elephant poop. One hundred percent. I'm with you.
1: I'm clean. Give me another shovel. <laughs> yeah. I'll do another hour. That's, I'm good.
2: That's not even a, that's not even a question. Okay. Last question for me. Would do you, you like,
1: so you don't like snakes either. All right. No. They give me the heebie. J- I don't spiders. Don't freak me out. What is that? <sighs> arachophobia?
2: Yeah. Well, no, anything crawly, um, freaks me. out. Okay. I'm giving you a ticket to an Avs postseason. Playoff game, game seven, or a Nuggets game seven. Which one are you going no to?
1: Question, no question. There's no, mm-hmm. there's nothing. It's not a knock on the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. There is nothing better in any sport than a game seven in the NHL in the playoffs. I there's know. nothing better, nothing better, especially how about game obviously, seven you ever, overtime? Oh, there's no. The, the, then that you talk about, you know, where your where your stomach's in your mouth the whole time. Yeah. There's no greater sports theater than an overtime elimination game in the NHL playoffs.
2: Well, we may not be able to watch that though, and that's my last comment of the night.
1: We we went there last week. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, 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 I speak for the masses. That's hopefully true. that changes. Yes. Meathead.
2: Okay. Meathead out.